What an honor it is to be in this house. Um, you guys are living in an open heaven. You're so blessed. Uh, I've had the opportunity to share in a few different churches and different places where uh, I'm just telling you, man, the prayer doesn't leave the ceiling. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just goes up and comes right down. And since we've been here, since I've been here, I was here for the prayer summit last year, and the Holy Spirit is just in this place. It's just here. It's just here. Uh, and so I have a word in my heart. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read out of Second Chronicles um, chapter 20. And, and then we're just going to begin to pray. And I want to talk about the praise, the praise of God's people, yeah. the praise that comes out of our lips, yeah, and how praise is a weapon that God has given us yeah. to use. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. And he said, listen, all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of the great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Now, I'm one of those people, I love to highlight, I love to mark up my Bible. If you're one of those people, you take notes, I want you to take note of that right there. It says, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them, they will surely come up against the accent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. Now, Now, let's skip over to verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord. And who, would sh- and who should praise the beauty of holiness yeah. as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir who had come against Judah and they were defeated. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you that you have something to say to every single person in this room, Lord. I pray for the spirit of many waters to flow through this auditorium, to flow through this sanctuary, and speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. May you encourage, may you challenge, may you uplift, may you speak and have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, so at the beginning of this passage, it says that the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. Yeah. This, this is not your fight. This is not, um, this is not something that you have to face on your own. This thing is God's assignment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There are so many fights and battles that we take on ourselves. Man, I just can't tell you how many things I've tried to fight by myself when the Lord is saying, you know what, David, this is not yours. This is not something that you have to carry or even something you have to deal with. The battle is mine. It's not yours. And oftentimes we go through life, we go in day in, day out, fighting things, waging war when God is saying, I want to take care of that for you. I want to do that. I remember the first time I was uh, working in the church um, and I was an intern. 
And I, I didn't really understand what an expense account was. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we're going out. It's in Dallas, Texas, a church called Covenant Church. And we're buying stuff. We're building clocks. We're doing, like, these big services. And, and we're at Home Depot, and we're buying stuff for the service. And I, I'm telling the guy that's with me, I'm like, hey, I can't afford this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this is outside of my pay scale. And he's like, David, don't worry about it. I have a church credit card. <laughs> we get to expense this. And then after this, we're going to go out to lunch because we're still on the clock for Jesus. And we're and have a nice steak, you know what I'm saying? And, and all of a sudden, I realized, oh, when you work for God's house, he takes care of the bill. Did you know that when you're on assignment for God, when you're living your life every day after Jesus' assignment, that he is willing to take the bill. He is always willing to take care of whatever need you have. And so as you guys are on this mission to reach the universities in Florida, you say, God, if that's your will, God, that's your bill. You're going to take care of this. The battle is not mine. It's yours. I don't have to worry about this thing because you're speaking directly to me. And God is speaking to you guys, as Pastor Dean was saying, to take care of some of this stuff. And God is saying, listen, this is not your battle to fight. This is mine. But you need to position yourself. You need to position yourself. You see, the, 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 the makeup of battling with God, for God, is that we don't have to fight, but we still got to show up. We we still got to get there. We we still have to do what he's asking us to do. We just can't can't do nothing. He's saying, all right, you have to position yourself, and this is how you position yourself. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, this is how you position yourself, church. This is what God told Jehoshaphat. He said, I want you to send out the praise and worship team. (laughs) I want you to send out Luke and the team, man, and I want you to go to these five armies that are going to come and attack you, and you know what? You don't have to worry about it because he's going to get his acoustic guitar. Could you imagine going into war, right? You're going to go see ISIS, and you got your acoustic guitar, and you're like, how great is our God, you know, sing, and, and that's what God is telling him. He says, listen, all you have to do is you position yourself because praise is a weapon and praise becomes a problem for your problem. I don't think you heard me because when you learn to position yourself, praise becomes a weapon and it becomes a problem for your problem. We see the imagery, the power. If you read Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1, let me read this for you. He says, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood seraphim. Each had six wings. With two they covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to one another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. Let me tell you, when you position yourself, there is something happening around you. We see him as he ought to be, high and lifted up. Uh High and lifted up because praise is this this stepping in, this stepping into an eternal reality of what is actually. 
actually happening. When we begin to praise and sing and shout, we are participating with heaven, which with ha- what has been happening from the day it started from Alpha to Omega, yeah. that the angels have been looking unto yeah. God and praising him. Yeah. And sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we miss it. You see, this is Isaiah chapter 6. There's been five chapters until then. And Isaiah is beginning to see God clearly now because there was a king that was wicked. King Uzziah was a wicked king. He was so wicked, God struck him with leprosy. It wasn't until King Uzziah died that Isaiah could see God clearly. Let me tell you, there are some things in your life that have to die. Idols, addiction, sin. There are some things you have to kill so that all of a sudden you can see God clearly for who he is, sitting where he should be in your life, high and lifted up. Because until that place, we go doing business business as usual, and we never get to position ourselves the way that we should so we can win battles that we never had to fight. Some things have to die in us. Idols have to be torn down. Some stuff you just carry. Life is tough. You're going through stuff. You're dealing with stuff. You got mess in your life. Those things, they just got to die. They they, got to die because until then you don't see him clearly. We become so familiar with God that we don't see his majesty. We can't position ourselves. You know, we're, we're, we're from Denver, Colorado. That's where we live. And in Denver, Colorado, you have this majestic mountains. Uh, it's been snowing like crazy. And so all you see is the ice caps. And, you know, I wake up every morning and I have a great view of the mountains. And at first when I moved there, I was like, man, this is pretty awesome. You drive, you drive down and you're like, man, this is so cool. I get, to, I get to see this. But after a while, you know what happens? It just kind of fades away. And all of a sudden, my friends come to visit me from Cali where all they see is smog. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and they're like, man, you live in a place that's so beautiful. It's so clean. Your mount- and I'm like, I'm, I don't notice it. I've become so familiar. And it might be like the way some of you live and you see the, the, the lakes and the ocean and, and the Gulf of Mexico. You know, I just realized that's what we were looking at the other day. Uh, and I was, I was flying over from Denver. And when we were flying out, all you could see was snow. And then I was flying in here and you could just see the little sand dunes and little beaches. I was like, man, this is so awesome. I'd love to live here. But you know what happens when we become so familiar with God? We stop looking in awe. We stop seeing the beauty of his holiness. And all of a sudden, praise becomes business as usual and something that we just let pass. And we let the praise team do it. They actually got to encourage us. Come on, church. You can praise him. If we could just see him clearly, we wouldn't be able to contain our praise. Like the angels are, imagine from all of eternity, they're looking at him and then they're looking at each other and they're saying, dude, can you see it? The beauty of his holiness. And then they look at, I mean, day and night, night and day. This is what he looks like. When we see him clearly, you just can't contain your praise. Radical praise is radical spiritual warfare. You see, Judah means to praise. Judah was somebody that stood in the gap for Joseph, when his brothers wanted to kill him, he said, you know what, guys, let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery. He negotiated with his brothers to save all of Israel. That would be. Yeah. 
Judah means to praise. And when we learn to praise appropriately because we see him clearly, our praise negotiates for us. It goes before us and fights battles for us that we would have never saw coming because you're praising the beauty of his holiness. Praise is a life preserver, man. I'm telling you, there's been times in my life where I've been so down, so depressed, and I'll be driving in the car. There was one time I know I can remember very clearly. It was one of the lowest times in my life. And thank God I had some good Christian music on. And I was driving, and I was listening to praise and worship, and I began to sing along. And before I knew it, I'm singing and crying. Tears are coming down my face, snot bubbles. People are looking at me while I'm driving. They're like, what's going on with this guy? And all of a sudden, because praise never lets you go so far that God can't pull you back in. Because it centers you back on what's important. It's about him. It's not about me. It's not about what I'm going through. It's not about what I'm fighting. It's about him and looking at him. And if I can keep my eyes on him, I can fight well. You see, praise confuses the enemy because when you're down, you sound like you're up. When he thinks he's defeated you, all of a sudden, you're still praising and singing and shouting. Praise negotiates for you. Let's look at um, Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, verse 22, we'll start there. Then the multitude rose up together against them. And the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet to the stocks. Now, Paul and Silas are on assignment with God. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing, exactly where they're supposed to be at. And life's not getting easier. It's getting more difficult. They're getting beaten, thrown into prison. And sometimes obedience looks tough. It feels tough. And you know you're doing what God is calling you to do. And it seems like life is not getting any easier. It's actually becoming more difficult. But sometimes that's exactly the place God wants to position you. He wants to place you in places where you can have the greatest impact and influence. And so we never give up when we're stepping into obedience because I'm following him. And it's all about him. And this is what happens as they're there. Skip down to verse 25. And it says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prisons were shaken. At once all the prison's doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Imagine that. They're getting beat down, put into prison, and what do they do? I'm going to sing the praise of the beauty of his holiness. I'm going to sing hymns. I'm going to shout. And all of a sudden, it's not just me I'm affecting. I'm affecting everybody else around me. Let me tell you, when you begin to praise, I need it because there's breakthrough that your praise is bringing into my life. Because sometimes I'm not in the place where I can praise for myself. I'm, I'm, I'm in chains myself, and I need you 
to praise for me, and I need to praise for you. That's why Luke is up here encouraging us. Man, guys, come on, let's sing this out because I need what you have. And you need what I have. Because when we begin to sing, it doesn't matter where we are. Praise fights for us. It negotiates for you. It goes ahead of you. It's the weapon of God. It is so necessary. No matter where you're at, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you feel like, you continue to just praise and sing. Because God is placing you in places where people need to hear what you have to say. The words that are coming out of your mouth. You see, the devil wants to steal your praise. I mean, he wants to rob you. Because then he has you fighting with one hand behind your back. The devil wants to steal your praise. Number one reason the devil wants to steal your praise is because you just took his job. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That, that's what the devil used to do in heaven before he was thrown down. And every time we sing and shout, it reminds him, son, you've been replaced. There's, there's a new child here to praise the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And when we praise him, the devil hates it. When we praise Jesus, the devil hates it. He hates it. He hates it. He wants to steal your praise. Number two, praise is commanded. The Bible says that all the earth will praise his name. He says that if I don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. And let me tell you this. I'm not going to be outpraised by no rock. God has done enough good things in my life that I can shout. It's a command. And every time we praise, we step into a place of obedience, which opens blessing and opportunities. He's commanded praise. When we step into obedience, it means he shows up. This is what it says in Psalms chapter 22, verse 3. God inhabits the praise of his people. That when you praise, he shows up. Somebody's talking about me. You know what I'm saying? His ears begin to tickle. He's like, oh, yeah, these guys are talking about me, and they're beginning to praise my name. He shows up. It's commanded. It's commended. It's commended. The devil wants to steal your praise. I've been a part of um, some churches where people get offended about worship. I mean, it, it, it's serious. And, and, and one of the beautiful things about worshiping with you guys is you guys are so into it, man. I mean, you guys were just there. And God is so good. And um, I grew up in a Baptist church. Okay. Hymnals and all. You know what I'm saying? I don't even know the name of the songs. I just turned my hymnal. I was like, okay, this is what we're going to read. And I got radically saved in an Ethiopian church where um, I don't speak the language. I've been, I've been, I've been in, the, in the States in America for like 27 years. And I've completely forgotten the language. But where I got saved was it was an Ethiopian congregation. And so they did worship in Amharic. And, and all of a sudden, um, I'm thrust into a place where I don't even understand what people are singing. Yeah. And I still, okay, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to get there. Yeah. I've been to so many different churches that have gospel music that have contemporary music. I still preach at churches that do hymnals. And I've learned it's not about me and what I like. It's about him. 
when I'm going into an atmosphere of praise, it's about him. Yes. It is not about my selfish wants for the music I want to listen to. Imagine how God hurts for congregations to split over music. Imagine that. There are churches that meet at separate times, one church, but they'll have a contemporary service and a traditional service because people care more about listening to songs that they like than gathering with believers. Brothers and sisters, imagine how God feels his children separating over music, which is supposed to be about him, but it's become about us. Let me tell you, don't get offended. That offense is there because the devil wants to steal your praise. And if he can get you focused on anything else, distracted about anything else, worried about anything else, in the time when you're supposed to be looking at him, he wins. He wins. We've got to praise Don't let the enemy steal your praise. I want to share this passage with you. 2 Samuel 6.14. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and sounds of trumpets, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Verse 21. David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michal, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Don't let the enemy steal your praise. Because what happens when we get offended and we get bent out of shape about stuff is we look at people and we look at what's going on and all of a sudden our eyes get focused off from him and it becomes about everything else. And it makes us barren for the things of God. Just barren, unfruitful, unyielding to the very presence of God. It's just just nothing is happening there. And the devil would like nothing more than for you to come out of church, go into church, come out of church, and to be unfruitful and barren. See, David is like, listen, you don't know where I was at when I saw him. You don't know how he chose me. You don't know how he favored me. I can't contain my praise because when my eyes are on him and what on he's doing in my life, it just flows out. So I have to be undignified and I'll be even more undignified in my lifestyle because if you knew where he brought me from, if you saw me in the pit of hell and the mess I was in before he found me, you would understand. Praise is a problem for your problem. It deals with stuff you had no idea you were messing with. You had no idea what was going. Opens doors for you, shifts things for you. When we're in an atmosphere of worship, 
the supernatural things that happen while we praise. You see it in Isaiah chapter 6 because as he's praising, there is an angel that goes to the altar and it brings a coal and it touches the lips of Isaiah. And God speaks about his assignment and what he will do for him. You see, there is this transformative work that happens in worship that as we just look at him and focus on him, God is changing things in us. I believe that that call from the altar was dripping with the blood of Jesus, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world as he touches our lives. Because sometimes what we need is complete forgiveness, complete restoration, complete wholeness, because we come into a church and into an environment carrying things that we, didn't, we can't get rid of. And we have to be reminded what the Lord said. Yes. The yep. battle is not yours. Yep. It's the Lord's. Your transformation, your assignment, your giving, all these things that are beginning to happen, it's not your fight. God has done it for us. And as we look at him in praise and worship, he starts to transform and changes from the inside out and give us things to do, as Pastor Dean was saying, so that we could accomplish the very purpose of our lives. Yeah, come on now. Praise does transformative.